Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight, a comic book page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 186 for the May 2023 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James. My first pick in the DC Connect. And this one I'm looking at is on page two. There's preview art over on page three. And it's called Night Terrors First Blood, number one. And I believe this is the one that kicks off the whole Night Terrors event. Actually, it doesn't. There's Night Terrors First Blood, and then on the next page is Night Terrors. But I'm thinking the First Blood is what kicks it off. So it's, it's kind of weird. You get Night, Night Terrors First Blood, number one, and then Night Terrors, number one, on page four. But I'm just going to do a talk about the first one, the one kicking it off. And it's saying this is a special oversized issue that sets up the horror event that will overwhelm the DC universe, written by Joshua Williamson. Art on this, by the way, is by Howard Porter. He did terrific interior art. Cover's not bad either, but I'm looking at it. It's really good. I'm kind of torn on this one. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to get the main Night Terror story. I am going to probably pick up the last thing, too. I am not going to get the 100 one-shot books that are coming out around this, just because it seems like a bit much. And I'm not sure if it's something I really, really want to read. And some of the uh, creative teams on some of these side books just don't look that great. 
But I, you know, I don't know what to tell you other than this is the big, I guess this would be summer event. Yeah. So May, 2023. So the books are coming out in July. It's just something that I'm not super excited for. And I wouldn't be surprised if John's not excited for it because he's not a terror fan or a horror fan. But let me read you what it says. It says, when Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman find the body of one of their earliest enemies inside the Hall of Justice, their investigation takes them past the land of the living and beyond the land of the dead and directly to a new villain called Insomnia. Okay, so people can't sleep. Insomnia. But who uses his powers to engulf every single hero and villain and their own dark, twisted nightmares. The only way to save the world is to call for the help of an unfriendly hero, Dead Man. All right. It says the thrills and chills of night terrors are brought to the DC Universe by DC architect and superstar writer Joshua Williamson with horrific art by comics legend Howard Porter. Okay, let's digest that. (laughs) Horror event, tons of one shots. That's all I'm going to say about this. If you're going to be like me and kind of skimp and still know what's going on, read the first book, Night Terrors, first book number one. Flip the book over to page four, get Night Terrors number one and Night Terrors number two solicited. And that, there's only four issues, so four comics and you're done. I will not be getting Night Terrors Batman. I will not be getting Night Terrors Detective. Night Terrors Nightwing. Night Terrors Poison Ivy. Night Terrors Catwoman. Night Terrors Harley Quinn. Night Terrors The Joker. Night Terrors Robin. Night Terrors Superman. Night Terrors Action Comics. Night Terrors The Flash. Night Terrors Wonder Woman. Oh, we're not done. <laughs> Night Terrors Titans. Night Terrors Shazam. Night Terrors Green Lantern. Night Terrors Black Adam. Oh, we're still not done. Night Terrors Angel Breaker. Night Terrors Santana. Night Terrors Punchline. Night Terrors Ravager. Yeah, those are all going to be kind of jettisoned by me, flushed, if you will. But to those of you guys who read it, I hope they turn out to be good books. They're all one-shots. They're all 32-page one-shots. I don't know. It just seems a bit much for what I want to read. So I'm going to read the main event. And if I know what's going on, I know what's going on. If I don't, I don't. But I'm just going to leave it at that. So that's the big event from DC. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with my next pick in the DC Connect. And this time I'm on page 18, where I'm looking at World's Finest Teen Titans, number one. And it says, it's a modern retelling of the early adventures of the original Teen Titans from the pages of Batman Superman World's Finest. Now, the one thing that got me to pick up this book is the creative team. We got Mark Wade as the writer. He's the real architect, not Joshua Williamson, <laughs> or he should be the real architect. And the artist Emanuela Lupacino. She, she's a decent artist. I've, I've seen her do books in the past, and she does a good job. But I'm going to be picking this up. So you basically get World's Finest, which is something that Mark Wade is doing right now, but he's focusing on the Teen Titans, which was, I think will be fun. And it says, springing out of the pages of the runway hit Batman Superman World's Finest comes a modern retelling of the early adventures of the original Teen Titans, led by Robin the Boy Wonder. A new superhero team has burst onto the scene with the Teen Titans, DC's grooviest group filled with super teens with super problems. When they're not fighting alongside their Justice League mentors, they're managing their image and cultivating their rabid fan base that helps them save the world. As all the while, a danger from the shadows intends to tear these friends apart before they ever reach the big time. Da-da-da! And it's, before they were the Titans of the DCU, they were the Teen Titans, and you won't want to miss this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is a six-issue miniseries, so you're not in long-term. I'm going to pick this up. Like I said, Mark Wade does a ter- fantastic job on almost everything he writes, 
and he's been doing a heck of a job at DC. So I would say this is a must read. And on to my next pick. My next pick is on page 18 of the DC Connect catalog, and it is World's Finest Teen Titans number one. Now, I actually sat out a recent Teen Titans, or Titans, I forget if it was Teen or not, miniseries, so while I'm a huge fan, I'm not just blindly getting anything they do these days. However, this is written by Mark Wade. it's in the tone and the style, presumably of the World's Finest stuff, which I've been really enjoying. We've got Emanuela Lupicino on the art, a little more cartoony than I might go for, but I think it really fits the, the material and the property. We've got the standard five old-school Titans of the original Robin, the original Kid Flash, the original Aqualad, the original Speedy, the original Wonder Girl, and it looks like Bumblebee is going to be playing a bigger part of it than she originally did. She was in with the original Titans back in the old-school series, but I think it took a little while to get her and Mal in there, and I'm not seeing Mal, so I don't know if he shows up or not. Anyways... It is a six-issue limited series, which is not enough for me, but I'll take what I can get. I'm looking forward to some old-school Titans fun, and with Mark Wade at the helm, I think it'll be a really good read. Some of those variant covers where they do kind of the character profiles and stuff look awesome, but I'm cheap, so I'm just going to get the default version and stuff like that. But, you know, if they were to do either posters or a collection of those covers and stuff, I'd probably pick that up if it was like a $3.99 thing to get them all or something, but we'll see if they ever do that. Once again, World's Finest, Teen Titans, number one, on page 18 of the DC Connect. Check it out. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first DC pick is on page 21, with Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number five of a six-issue miniseries. Written by Tom Taylor, art and cover by Clayton Henry, and this is the cover I'll be getting. Variant covers are done by Jim Cheung and Hayden Sherman. A 1 in 25 variant cover is done by Zoo or Zoo. A 1 in 50 foil variant cover by Clayton Henry. The cover price of the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages and $4.99 for the cardstock variant covers. This issue is scheduled to go on sale July 4th. The Super Sons are reunited and up against an entire world of injustice. But in this penultimate issue, will John Kent have a hope of returning to his Earth? It's a battle for the soul of Superman and the safe return of the Super Sons as the Injustice Saga cranks up the heat. I've read the first issue of this miniseries, and my latest shipment from Discount Comic Book Service, and it's a very interesting story, and I can't wait to see how it ends. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect, and this time I'm over on page 30, where we get another new book from Mark Wade, and actually Brian Hitch too, so they're reunited. And they're doing Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor. This is a three-issue miniseries, and it's Prestige Plus, which I guess means magazine-sized. Yeah, and basically by the dimensions, it looks like it's going to be a magazine. Brian Hitch, fantastic artist. He's doing the interiors. With the speed that he does art, he probably started working on this a year ago <laughs> and got the three issues out. And they're in the can, ready to go. But th this one looks like it's going to be good. I'll read you what the solicit says. 
But I'm just looking at the art. It looks like it's fantastic and it's Mark Wade, so you can't go wrong. These are $6.99 issues if you want to, or magazines, but they're 48 pages. They're a little bit bigger, but still, seven bucks is a little bit pricey. But I'll be getting a nice discount with Deep Discount Comics. It says Mark Wade and Brian Hitch reunite to tell a tale centered on their favorite superhero. Superman learns Lex Luthor is dying, and he wants the Man of Steel to help him find the cure for whatever is causing his rapid decline. While the world wants to say good riddance to Luthor, Superman will go to the ends of the universe, through different dimensions and across time to save his foe. But just why does he want to save the person who spent his life trying to destroy him? And will he even be able to find the solution? So I guess this is going to take a mature spin on it because we'll have to see the machinations and reasonings behind Superman and why he cares. And maybe this will bring the two closer. We'll see. Sounds like it's going to be a good read and I'm on board for it. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on page 30 with Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, number one of a three-issue miniseries, written by Mark Wade with art and cover by Brian Hitch, and this is the cover I'll be getting. A variant cover is done by Kevin Nolan, another by Chris Samney, a 1 in 25 variant cover by Yannick Paquette, a 1 in 50 variant cover by Evan Doc Shainer. All editions of this issue are cardstock covers, and the cover price is $6.99, and is scheduled to go on sale July 25th. Mark Wade and Brian Hitch reunite to tell a tale centered on their favorite superhero. Superman learns Lex Luthor is dying, and he wants the Man of Steel to help him find the cure for whatever is causing his rapid decline. While the world wants to say good riddance to Luthor, Superman will go to the ends of the universe through different dimensions and across time to save his foe. But just why does he want to save the person who spent his life trying to destroy him? And will he even be able to find the solution? Well, I guess this is a perfect example of who Superman is. He wants to save even his worst enemy. Along with this solicit, there are some sample art pages to give you a taste of what this story will look like. It kind of reminds me of the Death of Lex Luthor storyline back in the 90s. So I love the art of Brian Hitch. He's one of those super realistic artists similar to Alex Ross. And I can't wait to see how this story plays out. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog from page 36. It's Joker, One Operation Joker, Volume 1. This is being solicited along with a couple of other DC-inspired manga that are all by Satoshi Miyagawa, art and cover by Keisuke Goto. In this case, $9.99, 160 pages, the manga size as far as the dimensions of the book. And this is being pre-solicited for a September. And it says here, the Joker like you've never seen him before. As a single father, after a fateful encounter with Batman that results in the Dark Knight de-aging to a baby, Joker takes it upon himself to raise the child into the Crusader of Justice. But does the Clown Prince of Crime really understand what it means to be Batman? Or more importantly, what it means to raise a baby all by yourself? Everyone needs a babysitter who makes them laugh, right? 
Hi, my name is Michael, and I go by SuperFlash Adam 1980 in the forum. My one and only pick this month is Superman vs. Meshi Volume 1, written by Satoshi Miyagawa and art and cover by Kai Itago. And the solicitor says, it's hungry work being a Superman. That's why every day for lunch, Superman takes a quick stop over in Japan to try a new chain restaurant. Whether it's a hearty bowl of curry or a conveyor belt sushi, the Man of Steel loves to indulge in the delectable delicacies the country has to offer. So pull up a seat and dig in as Superman does battle with lunch. So I love manga and Superman. And if this sounds interesting to you, make sure to give this a gander. It's on sale on September 5th, 2023. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 37. I know oh, somebody else on the community forum was going to do a recording on the Superman versus Meshi manga take on the DC situation, so I'm not going to read that solicitation, but I do want to just highlight that I'm also looking forward to that take on Superman. That seems kind of fun. But I'm looking at the uh, second half of the page here, Batman Justice Buster Volume 1. In this case, it's written by Ichi Shimizu and Tomoharu Shimoguchi. I apologize for messing those names up. This is also $9.99, 160 pages, a softcover in the typical manga format, on sale in September. And this one says, Gotham City has been under the protection of Batman for only a short amount of time, but since the vigilante's appearance, crime has changed. It's gotten more bold more destructive. As Batman tries to rise up to meet these new threats, he develops a computer system, Robin, that's in all caps, to help him analyze and subdue the rising criminal tide and hopefully one day put an end to crime in Gotham. But will its solution be one Batman can execute? Now this seems like a little bit more of a traditional manga approach. I mean, as far as like the, you know, serious action type thing, whereas some of these other ones are the more comedic approach. So I'm interested to see where this goes and Hopefully this little experiment of theirs works. I'm sure these are probably originally from Japan, so the fact that they're making it over here probably means they did well. Check these out in September. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on page 46 with Batman The Adventures Continue Season 3, issue number 7 of an 8-issue miniseries. Written by Alan Burnett and Paul Denny. Art by Ty Templeton. And the main cover is by Juan Ferreira. And I hope I pronounced that name correctly. A variant cover is by Cliff Chiang. And a villain variant cover is done by Rafael Albuquerque. And a 1 in 25 variant cover is done by Hayden Sherman. The cover price of this 32 page issue is $3.99. And the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale on July 11th. The Court of Owls are back, and they've conscripted Man-Bat to join their fight against Batman. And while Batman faces off against the attacks of the Court, Bruce Wayne continues to be roped into Ra's al Ghul's mysterious scheme. Batman is besieged on all sides in his penultimate chapter. I still have the original run of DC's comic book adaption of the Batman animated series, and these three miniseries that they've done in recent years are just as good as that original comic book run and are a perfect 
continuation of the animated universe. And I hope they continue doing some more. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is also on page 46 with Batman Superman World's Finest number 17. Written by Mark Wade with art and cover by Dan Mora, and this is the one I'll be getting. Variant covers are by Cliff Chiang, a 1 in 25 variant cover by Jamie McAlvey, and a 1 in 50 variant cover by Dyke Ruan. The cover price for the regular edition is $3.99, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99. And this issue is scheduled to go on sale July 18th. World War AI hits its climax. Guest starring dozens of DC heroes in a war against Numezo and his machines that will determine the fate of humanity and lay threads for a menace that will soon pop up in the pages of Shazam. Having read the World's Finest series as a kid in the 1960s, I couldn't resist picking up this current Batman Superman World's Finest series when it first began. And with Mark Wade at the helm as the writer, someone who loves the history of DC Comics and especially Superman, He's done a great job of creating new and interesting stories for the Man of Steel by adding to the history of Superman and Batman teaming up against various villains. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 47. And just to highlight that there are some other ongoing stories still continuing at DC this month. We have Justice Society of America number 7, written by Jeff Johns, with art here by Mikhail Janine. 32 pages, $3.99, on sale July 18th. It says, Reunions are cut short when the JSA and the Lost Children face down a new threat. Can this group of heroes and sidekicks find their rhythm, or will it be curtains for both? What happens here has massive ramifications for the next stage of the new Golden Age. So if you've been a fan of what's been going on there, this looks to continue that, and I've been pretty excited so far about what they've been doing. Check it out if you are looking for ongoing DC Comics in July. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on page 48 with My Greatest Adventure number 80 facsimile edition. Written by Arnold Drake and Bob Haney, with art and cover by Bruno Primiani, and a special foil variant cover also by Bruno Primiani. The cover price of the regular edition of this 32-page issue is $3.99, and the foil variant cover is $5.99, and it's scheduled to go on sale July 4th. Actress and Olympic athlete Rita Farr, test pilot Larry Trainer and Daredevil Cliff Steele were three ordinary people who gained extraordinary abilities that made them outcasts from society. After being persuaded by a mysterious benefactor known as the Chief to use their unique powers for good, this trio formed the first iteration of the Doom Patrol, the world's strangest heroes. The iconic facsimile reprints Elastigirl, Negative Man, and Robot Man's first adventure figuring out their powers and squaring off against the sinister General Immortus. During the 1960s, DC came out with some very unusual superheroes, from Metamorpho to the Metal Men and the Doom Patrol. Eventually, 
My Greatest Adventure would change the title to become The Doom Patrol. And even though the original series did not last that long, The Doom Patrol has continued to appear periodically in DC Comics, especially Robot Man. So if you like unusual superheroes that are out of the ordinary, then I would suggest that you pick up this facsimile edition of My Greatest Adventures number 80 and also pick up some of the reprints of the original run of The Doom Patrol. Billy Hogan again. My final DC pick is on the very next page, number 49, with Superman Lost, number 5 of a 10-issue miniseries, written by Christopher Priest, with art and cover by Carlo Pagulian and Jason Paz, and this is the cover I'll be getting, a variant cover by Lee Weeks, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Jay Lee. The cover price of the regular edition of this 32-page issue is four ninety nine. And the cardstock variant covers are five ninety nine, and is scheduled to go on sale July eleventh. At a loss to close the widening gap between herself and Superman, Lois turns to Wonder Woman for help. Clark Kent, attempting to re-enter his life at the Daily Planet, is haunted by the dire consequences of his attempts to defend his second adopted planet from invasion. I've read the first two issues of this miniseries from my shipments from Discount Comic Book Service, and I'm glad I did. It's an interesting story, and I can't wait to read how it ends. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Brawley, known as the Brawlinator on the forums and the Slack channel, and I am here with my first pick for this month's previews, and it is found near the back of the DC catalog on page 55. It is the Batman Adventures Omnibus. This is that beloved 90s title based on the Batman animated series, and it's finally getting the big omnibus treatment. Uh, this is collected for the first time, and this is the series based on the Batman animated series, which was kind of based on the Tim Burton films a little bit, or at least to bring sort of that um, darkness to the animated world. Let me read the solicit here. Debuting in 1992, Batman the Animated Series achieved a near-impossible feat by integrating the dark and mature themes of the Tim Burton Batman films into a kid-friendly cartoon show. This 1,200-page hardcover is due in September. It lists for $150. It covers the entire first comic series and various related specials in here. It's got the Batman Adventures Annuals 1 and 2, the Batman Adventures Holiday Special number 1, a story from Batman Black and White number one and the Batman Adventures Mad Love number one. It's the first appearance of Harley Quinn in the comics. Actually, it's the first appearance of Harley Quinn anywhere, as well as the never before reprinted comic book adaptation of their animated feature film, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is a great, great film. Probably one of the top Batman films of all time. There's really plenty. Here, the page count is 1,176 pages. Again, it's $150. This is stories set in that animated series universe, or sometimes referred to as the Timverse, based off Bruce Tim. 
and if this does well, maybe we'll see other collected editions like the Batman and Robin Adventures or the Gotham Adventures or even the Superman, the Justice League, Bruce Timm stuff. Who knows? You know, they're doing the animated series continues right now, which probably is doing well enough that they decided to do this omnibus. But check it out for fans of the animated series or if you dipped into these comics back in the 90s, now you can get the entire collection in one omnibus. Check it out again. It's on page 55. It retails for 150, but I know that Cowabunga is going to have that for nearly half off. So let's get on to the next pick. This is Jason with a pick from the Marvel Previews catalog on page nine. It's Marvel Age 1000. And they did a similar thing like this with the original title of a Marvel Comics, which was kind of like the first published comic by then Timely Comics, which eventually will become Marvel. But of course, that series, you know, didn't last a thousand issues, but they still was they were still like, oh, this is Marvel Comics 1000. In other words, if, if that series had continued from 1939 up until what was then the present day of 2019, that would have been around the time of Marvel Comics 1000. Well, they're kind of doing a similar thing here. Marvel Age was, you know, kind of this a magazine that was like had like Marvel, you know, official Marvel news articles and some like strips in there, but mainly it was in, in art pages. But essentially it was like an ad to get you to be, you know, looking forward to what was coming up in the future. And that that series lasted, you know, from like April of uh, 1983 to September of 1994. So it lasted about 140 issues. So I think it's kind of a stretch that they're saying that, oh, this made it to this would have been an issue 1000. But I guess if they were doing, you know, one a week or something like that, obviously that would have put them pretty close to the mark. But this one seems more like an actual comic book with stories. It says Marvel Age Number 1000, it's a celebration of the Marvel Age of Comics, and you are invited. This massive commemorative issue includes contributions from some of the most storied creators in Marvel history, as well as a few surprises, as the classic days of Marvel are explored in depth. So they're bringing back some classic writers, you know, Dan Slott, Mark Wade, and kind of going, you know, kind of, you know, doing some early, early type stories sounds like so kind of like classic stories so like you know on the cover you can tell it's classic x-men you know they're having you know the original human torch the original captain marvel or marvel kind of some you know stories of when they were kind of just starting out so it is a little bit of more expensive comic it's 96 pages but uh, i look forward to checking this out just kind of have that medley of several different classic characters and old school stories in it so looking forward to checking that out Well, considering how much Blade, the reboot film, has been in the news lately, even now the uh, ongoing writer strike out in Hollywood has put the project on hold, even though they had just brought in the guy that did True Detective, Nick, I can't remember his last name, he was uh, taking over uh, to do a rewrite. Uh, but the writer's strike has put that on pause. But thankfully, the writer's strike in Hollywood has not impacted the comics, or maybe that's 
a bad thing, depending on your perspective. <laughs> but uh, Brian Hill has written Blade number one with Alina Casgrande or Grande. I'm not sure how you say that, but I know Alina, she's a fantastic artist. The work that she did on Black Widow is just action packed. So she definitely knows what she's doing in the art realm. So this should be pretty cool. Let me just read the solicit. Marvel's slickest vampire hunter returns in a brand new ongoing by Brian Hill and Ellen Casagrande. True evil is patient, and a dark, ancient power has been simmering quietly for centuries when Blade himself is the one to unknowingly unleash it. Marvel's entire supernatural underworld will come out of hiding to demand he handle it or pay a pound of flesh for his mistakes. Bloodbaths, blackmail, and blade. You won't want to miss the explosive first issue. And the cover looks good. The artwork inside just looks really killer. And I think that they may have a hit on their hands. Uh, I know that Marvel had started to delve into Blade's daughter. They were going to feature her in an ongoing Blade number one. I think that got canned. Probably dodged a bullet there, if I'm honest. I know in recent years, Blade had sort of become the sheriff of the vampire nation. But it sounds like um, he's not going to be Dracula's right-hand man anymore. I like where this is going. Check out the artwork. If you're into Blade at all, you might want to check this out. I know I was first introduced to him in uh, Tomb of Dracula, and uh, he's come a long way since then, but, I mean, the character's been interesting ever since. So check it out. Blade number one, page 10, Marvel. Billy Hogan again. My first Marvel pick is on page 12. It's actually two issues. The Incredible Hulk issues number 180 and 181, Facsimile Editions. Both issues were written by Lynn Wein, and the cover and story artist was Herb Trimpey. Both issues are rated T+, and are scheduled to be in shops on July 5th for the cover price of $3.99. When I put together my solicits, I have to go to the preview's website because my shipments from the discount comic book service won't come in until after the deadline for John's preview spotlight episodes have passed, so I won't have a physical copy of the preview's catalog until after the deadline when we have to send our solicits. So instead of a solicit about the Hulk's battle against Wendigo, as shown on the cover of issue number 180, Apparently, there was a mistake in the solicit to issue number 180, so instead of a solicit about the Hulk's battle against Wendigo, the solicit was a repeat of Marvel's solicit to the new Blade issue number one of that series. But the solicit to 182 reads, The issue that introduced an icon, just when he thought a battle between the Incredible Hulk and the Wendigo couldn't get any more ferocious. The Wolverine crashes the party. It's the first feature-length appearance of the world's first and greatest Canadian superhero, who would soon go on to become arguably the most popular and successful member of the X-Men. Encounter the Wolverine for the first time all over again in an action-packed throwdown that establishes a rivalry for the ages between the Jade Giant and the best there is. It's one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, boldly represented in its original form, ads and all. As you've probably noticed from some of my past solicits, 
I always like to make sure to pick up these facsimile editions when I don't have the original copy of the issue or one of the past reprints that have been done over the years, as is the case with this one, because I've never read this first appearance of the Wolverine in The Incredible Hulk. I've seen the cover many times, but I'm looking forward to reading this story. Plus, it's always fun to see what a Marvel comic was back in the days when I was a teenager. This is Jason with my next pick in the Marvel Previews catalog. It's Moon Knight, issue number 25 on page 18. It says, Moon Knight's past and present collide, leading into his first event series. The past comes back to bedevil Moon Knight as he pursues his latest enemy, someone once familiar and new. From grim New York nights to the blazing sun of Alexandria days, Moon Knight hunts for answers among the graves of Heart Island while haunted by the last mission of the Karnak Cowboys. A mercenary crew counting among its members, Mark Spector, Jean Paul Dunchamp, Robert Plesko, and Layla El Fauli. And of course, Layla is a character that was in the uh, Marvel Cinematic series, the Moon Knight series. Um, and it looks like she's going to be kind of making an appearance here. It also says, uh, plus there's a classic Moon Knight story from the past by Doug Munch and Bill Sinikowitz. It's 96 pages, $9.99. And a lot of people were speculating that Jed McKay, who's done a great job, you know, with Moon Knight, uh, he started the series right around the time of the, the Disney show and, and there was a lot of hype about it. And even though the show is kind of getting, kind of fur further and further in the rearview mirror, the book is still, you know, doing well and going very well and hopefully is still selling well. And a lot of people were speculating that since he took over, you know, Avengers, that he's going to be stopping, you know, at some point he's going to be stopping Moon Knight. And um, so a lot of people were like, oh, no, this is like an oversized, you know, issue, you know, milestone issue 25. And he's basically done. But he basically was like on, on Twitter, he was like, relax. Moon Knight is not ending at issue 25. So that's kind of exciting news to hear. And I hope that no matter whatever he's else he's writing, that he will continue on with the series and continue writing Moon Knight very well. He, he also said there's going to be 70 pages of actual story of his story. And it looks like there may be like a, a past reprint from Doug Munch in the past. So Definitely, if you're a Moon Knight fan or uh, remotely interested in checking out the character, I highly recommend this well-written series. This is Jason again, and my next pick in the Marvel Previews catalog on page 20 is Moon Knight City of the Dead. It's one it's issue number one of a five-issue miniseries. This one is not going to be by Jed McKay. It's going to be by David Pepos. And artist is going to be Marcelo uh, Ferreri. It says, uh, the debut of the new Scarlet Scarab following the events of Moon Knight issue 25. When a young runaway is attacked by a gang of death cultists, he is barely left alive outside the midnight mission. But Mark Spector make, made a vow long ago to defend the travelers of the night, and as long as a spark of life remains, his mission isn't over yet. Follow Moon Knight on his most harrowing adventure yet, as the Fist of Conchu journeys far beyond the land of the living and battles across the mind-bending underworld known as the City of the Dead. So the good news is it looks like that the Scarlet Scarab from the Marvel series 
is going to be making an appearance at some point in this series. Uh, and it'll kind of be, you know, hopefully her, her debut and maybe she'll kind of take off as a character. So I'm looking forward to this. Obviously, there's a, something big that's supposed to happen in Moon Knight 25 uh, that'll lead into this series, but also looking forward to seeing how this mini series will go as well. So highly uh, recommend this if you're a fan of the Moon Knight television series or Moon Knight in general um, and of the, uh, the new Scarlet Scarab that uh, debuted uh, in that series a few years back. Hey, this is James back with a pick in the Marvel previews, and I'm on page 34 and 35, where we're going to have X-Men Hellfire Gala 2023, number one. This one made me laugh. There's a few solicits that made me laugh in the <laughs> in the Marvel previews, one called Fallen Friend, just as Classified. So you're supposed to order books. I, I know they don't want to spoil, just called Classified, no information, just kind of funny. But X-Men Hellfire Gala, apparently it's going to be an a- annual event. Which makes sense, you know, if they they have a gala, you have a gala every year, you have a good big get-together. But I guess this is where we are. This one's going to be written by Jerry Dugan. And then it has like a whole list of people that are the artists. I'm not going to read all those artists. That's, there's just way, 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 way too many of them. But the thing that, the reason why I say this one's important, usually they use the Hellfire Gala to kick off some big rigmarole, some big thing that's going to happen with the X-Men. Not always, but a lot of times that's what they're using it for. And it says at the bottom in big red letters, the fall of X begins here. Now, there's been a lot of buildup towards this, this burning and falling of the X. And I guess this will be the thing that kicks it off. We know when Krakoa was formed and all the stuff that happened that with House of X, Powers of X, the alliances and the people that were there at the founding, Charles Xavier, Moira, Taggart, and so on and so forth. There was a, a lot of fallout from that, and there was precogs that were not allowed to be brought back. We know because of that, there's a lot of animosity with certain characters. That's supposed to be all building up to what's going to be happening and the X-Men going forward. I must say, me personally, I do like Krakoa. I like the concept of just reincarnate, <laughs> almost the deification of the mutants. I'm, I'm cool with that. Whatever. Let's be honest. Everyone's a deity in comics today. Everyone who's killed comes back. There, there's no repercussions, which is why we like those little pocket worlds like that Tom Taylor does. Let's say a War of the Undead Gods, you know, or whatever it is, because there's real repercussions and it really matters. It feels like there's real stakes. But when you have this perpetual universe and these IPs that have to be kept in perpetuity and printed, what you end up with is no repercussions and jaded readers eventually. You know, characters get killed and it doesn't matter. So I, I kind of like that we, we just said, hey, we're going to make them deities. They are gods. They can be re- resurrected. Deal with it. And I would say it's kind of honest with that. You see X-Force, you see Wolverine fighting and killing that happens there and plays out the way it should. Okay, but let's see. The fall of X begins here with the Hellfire Gala. The Hellfire Gala is always the biggest event of the season. I would argue that it's not always the biggest event, but okay, we'll go with that. But this year's will change everything for Krakoa, and that makes me a little sad. What is meant to be Mutankind's biggest night becomes their biggest nightmare as the fall of X begins. All your favorite X-Men are going to be left reeling after this one. Shocking revelations, stunning betrayals, horrifying tragedy, impossible deaths. Yeah, they're impossible, because so they must have broke the resurrection protocols. Interesting. 
and of course the most glamorous looks of the year all in one cannot miss package the bad thing is it's 80 pages for 8.99 or you can get it for 40 some odd percent off at deep discount comics on to my next pick My next pick is on page 38 of the Marvel previews, and it is X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister 4, number 1. Now, this is a one-shot. I'm actually surprised it's not like a four-issue miniseries or something. I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of Sinister historically, but man, what they've been doing with him has been really interesting. Now, taking that little diamond he's got on his forehead and saying, oh, there are three others with, you know, a spade, a club, and a heart or whatever. Wow, that's original. But actually, it's working. They're doing some really interesting stuff with this character or these characters and the current X-Men status quo and whatnot. Karen Gillan is doing the writing, so I think that's a great sign. Paco Medina on the art, that's very promising and such. So I think it's a solid creative team. We're going to get some backstory on how the original Nathaniel Essex unleashed these four clones of himself out there and kind of what they've done and what's going on with them these days. So, should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. It's a one-shot, not that big of a risk or whatever. So, I think it's worth checking out. So, once again, that's X-Men Before the Fall, Sinister 4, number one, of one, on page 38 of the Marvel previews. Billy Hogan again. My final Marvel pick is on page 63 with Fantastic Four, number nine. Written by Ryan North with art by Ivan Fiorelli. And the main cover is by Alex Ross, which is the one I always get. I never miss a chance to get an Alex Ross cover. Cover B is a Oscar Vega Hellfire Gala variant. And cover C is by Simone Bianchi. Alicia, Sue, and Johnny face off against Ben and Reed as they battle for the survival of their minds themselves against an alien that can wipe their memories clean. But can they survive this brutal onslaught from their friends and lovers, the very people who know them and their powers, better than anyone else in the universe? We'll all find out together in this Alicia-narrated issue, plus a meditation on the nature of art itself, and cool fights, too. This issue is rated T+, and is scheduled to be in shops on July 5th for the cover price of $3.99. The Fantastic Four have always been my favorite Marvel title, and I'm glad I'm back reading them in their new series. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel Supplemental or Marvel Previews. And it is The Blade, The Early Years Omnibus on page 84, written by Marv Wolfman with Chris Claremont, Steve Gerber, Roger Stern, and Mark McLaren. Penciled by a whole list of pencil. Uh, I'm not going to read all these guys. Okay, this one, the only thing that I'm a little bit leery about, it's not a big omnibus. It's 100 bucks. It's an expensive omnibus, but you're going to get it for about 50 bucks from Deep Discount Comics, but it's only 472 pages, so it is on small side of Omnibuy. Not as bad as the Planet of the Apes one, though. Now, this one, you are getting the early days of Blade. If you have picked up the Tomb of Dracula Omnibuy in the past, you're probably going to want to skip this omnibus. If you did not pick up the Tomb of Dracula omnibus, you may want to get this if you're a fan of Blade. And the reason why Blade, you know, he, he popped up in Tomb of Dracula, that, that's kind of where he, he, he 
came out of the woodwork. So, so you're getting a lot of Tomb of Dracula, number 10, 12 through 14, 24, 30, blah, blah, blah. Marvel previews, Fear, Doctor Strange, you know, 61, 62. This is the early stuff with, with Blade. But once again, I can't iterate enough. If you have the Tomb of Dracula omnibus, there was two volumes, I believe, of it. And I do have those. I won't be picking this up myself, but this is where you can get that material just focused on Blade if you're not a Dracula fan and you skip the Tomb of Dracula, which is completely understandable. Some people don't like monsters, but you want you like Blade, we'll pick this up. Here's your chance to get all of his early stuff and on to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with my final pick in the Marvel previews, and this is on page 87 where I am going to be picking this one up, The Incredible Hulk Omnibus Volume 2. I do have The Incredible Hulk Omnibus Volume 1, and this will be the next episode to keep that omnibus going. This one's 100 bucks, but I will be getting it for about 55 bucks or 56 bucks from Deep Discount Comics and Eric on the Slack. 824 pages, and written by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, with Gary Friedrich, Bill Everett, and Archie Goodwin. Penciled by Herb Trimpey, Marie Severin. Frank Gia, uh, Sal Busima, uh, it goes on and on. Okay, this is collecting Incredible Hulk number 103 through 134 and annual number one. So this is the early, early, early stuff. The first issue of the Hulk, they had the one through six where he was gray. Then it went to those combo books. I think he was Tales to Astonish. Honestly, I can't remember. I think it was Tales to Astonish. And then it came out after that finished issue 102 of Incredible Hulk. Eh, just kind of weird. That's how it played out because DC kind of put the screws to Marvel and wouldn't let them publish enough books on the shelves. So this one picks up at 103 because the first omnibus ended at 102 and you go from there. Like I said, this is probably not, I hate to say this, but it's not, I wouldn't say this is like the pinnacle of Hulk writing, but this is early years Hulk stuff. It was definitely decent. And if you're a fan of the character, you're going to enjoy this stuff. This is the dumb green Hulk. So Hulk smash, almost like the childlike character. If you like that version of the Hulk, you need to read this stuff. I'm a fan of the Hulk in general, no matter which version I get. So I'm definitely picking this up. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James with my first pick in the previews catalog. And I'm on page 44 in the image comics section, where I am looking at a gem of the month, big game number one of five by Mark Millar. Everything Mark Millar is either 1 of 5 or 1 of 6, so he always does like short miniseries. The artist on this is Pepe Larraz, and the interior art, they have some sample pages, looks good. It's all in black and white right now. And it's kind of cryptic. It says censored, censored, you know, everything's censored. <laughs> but the reason why it looks like what they're trying to do, or what Mark Millar is trying to do, is tie in a lot of the miniseries that he's done and a lot of the series he's done into one cohesive universe. So what the solicit says, it says the comics event of the summer is here. Okay, this is so top secret, we can't even show you the main cover because it spoils something massive. Massive is in all capitals. Just trust us when we say that this is going to be the comic book event of 2023, and it's not what you're expecting. Does the crossover really go that wide? Yes, it does. Big game pulls together. Kick butt. (laughs) I'll say it that way. Kingsman. Nemesis. The Magic Order and all the Miller World franchises, and one special event. This must be ordered like crazy. Okay, I'm going to order it like crazy by ordering one copy 
but ye retailers order it like crazy. We'll see how it pans out. Usually Mark Millard does a really good job, so I'm definitely on board for this, and I think it'll be fun. We'll see what he has up his sleeve. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time page 54 in the image comics section. It's Scrapper number one of six, and I almost passed over this. I caught it on a second pass through the catalog here. It's a mini-series by Cliff Blazinski and Alex DeCampi, with art here by Sandy Gerald, and it gives the tagline here, Stray Dogs Meet Scurry, so if you're familiar with either of those properties, you know, you've got the animals doing human-like stuff. It says, Game Design Genius Cliff Blazinski, I don't know, seems like kind of a overselling it there, maybe, makes his comics debut with critically acclaimed writer Alex DeCampi and fan-favorite artist Sandy Gerald. Blade Runner-style action mixes with big emotions as stray dog Scrapper and his buddy Tink fight for justice against the totalitarian forces of a post-apocalyptic doomed city. But when the fight comes to his home, Scrapper will face losing what's most important to him and gain a terrifying truth in the process. Don't worry, Mom, the dog doesn't die. So anyway, there's a couple pages of preview art here. It looks fun, bright, you know, comical. I think you're going to get a good story here if you're a dog fan or just want kind of a light comic. It's only six issues. And again, this is $3.99 for 32 pages. First issue on sale, July 9th. This is Marvin, also known as Viking Joker on the uh, Slack channel. And I am recording a clip from the main previews catalog. On page 56 for Swan Songs, number one, story by W. Maxwell Prince and art by Martin Simmons. Maxwell Prince, of course, is best known for Ice Cream Man. If you like that series, this might be for you. And then Martin Simmons is currently the artist on Department of Truth. This is an anthology series. It's being listed as science fiction. Basically, the description is it's stories about the end, right? Swan Songs. So it's stories about the end of things. Examples listed in the uh, solicit are the end of a marriage, the end of a sentence, the end of the world, or the end of the end of the world. Anyway, it might it might be a little dark, but I'm going to check this one out, and maybe you will too. It says it's a mini-series, but it does not tell me how many issues. No matter where, nope, I don't see that anywhere. And Martin Simmons is the artist in the first issue, and then it's a rotating cast of artists. To make sense with an anthology sometimes. That's how they do that. I'll check it out. Maybe you will too. It's Marvin again, and I am actually just on the next page after my recording my last clip. I'm on page 58 of the previous catalog, an image, which I'm pretty sure I didn't say in the last clip, but I'm an image and I'm now recording on This Ends Tonight, number one of three. It's listed as Action Adventure, written by Jerry Dugan and art by Jay Lee. It's another anthology, it seems. Well, not an anthology necessarily. Uh, it, interconnected stories, it says. I'm sorry. I'm just paraphrasing what I'm reading, but it's an interconnected story of violence and mayhem in Las Vegas. In this issue, two sisters fight their way across Vegas in a savage race to save their lives. The next page has some art. I don't know. Jay Lee looks like he's doing pretty good. I, I thought he was like only doing covers nowadays, but I don't know. I think I want to check this out. Looks like a lot of action. Jerry Dugan generally writes uh, a good tail over in uh, X-Men. So I'm uh, going to check this out. It's a short commitment of only three issues. Hey, it's Marvin again. I'm on page 82 in the main previews catalog and image. 
And I'm just shouting out here, Firepower number 25. I know they took some time off, so they're back. To make sure everybody knows they're back. I think I might be the last one reading this from this little community, but I don't know that. So, it's a double-size anniversary issue and the start of a new story arc. So, if you were off the book and want to jump back on, might be a good time to do that. Or if you just are on the book, but has not been solicited in a minute, so it's here now. Don't forget to order your copy. Billy Hogan again. My only Image Comics pick is on page 83. With Hey Kids Comics, Volume 3, Schlock of the New, number 4 of a 6-issue miniseries. Written and drawn by Howard Chaikin, with cover by Don Cameron. After years of being kept at bay, a new generation finally scales the castle walls, only to discover the hacks have beaten a hasty retreat, leaving nothing behind them but nostalgia. The newcomers arrive with a bill of rights, management hands them a bill of goods. Scheduled to be in shops on July 5th for the cover price of $3.99. Howard Chaikin met a lot of the old-timers who were there at the beginning of the comic book industry, so he learned where all the bodies are buried, so to speak, and so he's created this number of miniseries under the Hey Kids Comics title to tell the history of the comic book industry through fictionalized characters and if you know a little bit about comic book history, you can probably figure out who some of these characters really are. So if you enjoy comic book history, I would recommend getting all three volumes of this series because Howard Chaikin is a great writer and artist. Hi, it's Marvin again, and I'm finally out of the image section. I'm back in, I'm still in previews, uh, the main catalog, but page 102 in the boom section, and I'm calling out Sirens of the City number one of six, written by Joanne Starrer and illustrated by Carrie Randolph. I don't know these creators. To be honest with you, I have a problem, and it's Frizen covers. And Jenny Frizen is doing a cover here, and that draw might drew me in. She just tends to do that, so that made me look at the book, and here I am considering purchasing it. From the solicit, it says, New York City, 1980s. Runaway teen Layla struggles to survive on the mean streets far from home, but now every supernatural creature from the darkest corners of urban grime is after Layla, and the child-to-be she never wanted growing inside of her. So, I don't know. I like a, a period piece, so that's back in the 80s. We have a couple previous pages here. The art looks good. I don't know. I, I think I'll check it out, and largely because Jenny Frizen has a cover, I've been sucked in. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the boom section on page 106, where we have Berserker, Poetry of Madness, number one. Berserker finished. It was a decent miniseries. It's supposed to be a movie. I have no idea when it's coming out. I mean, I don't watch movies when they come out, so I'll probably see it 10 years from when it comes out or never. Who knows? <laughs> Created by Keanu Reeves. Yes. Written by Steve Scrochi, though, because Steve's the writer, because thank God Keanu's not writing it. And illustrated by Steve Scrochi. And he, I, I like him. He's a, he does a decent job. And I was trying to, it, it seemed pretty final the way that it ended. And I'm like, what is this Berserker Poetry of Madness, number one, that's a gem of the month? I was like, I thought it was done. It's a 56-page, 9.99 book. So it's a little bit pricey for what it is. Even for that page count, that seems a little bit expensive. But let me tell you what they have written here. 
It says, a sea of gore and devastation awaits as B, through a fateful chance encounter, safeguards the advance and ancient realm of Atlantis as its unstoppable protector. But a sickly king serves as a symbol for the rotten side. The security and bliss created through B's violence is shallow. The cracks created by a secret cult might spell a monstrous end for the legendary city once one beyond even B's ability to save. And it says renowned filmmaker and record, record-shattering comic creator Keanu Reeves joins acclaimed writer Steve Scrooge for some Lovecraftian horror. This has got to be the son of the main character because they're just calling him B. And I'm just like, the way things ended, I'm like, this has to be a completely new character. What's going on here? I don't know. But I really like Berserker. I thought it was really good. So I'm going to pick this up. Hopefully this is as good as the other one. And I'm looking on here right now. It does not say one shot, but I don't know. That's kind of pricey if this is an ongoing series. Let's hope it's not that much the entire time. Let's hope it's just a one shot. But if you do flip the pages, you'll see some interior art and some variant covers. And the variant covers just look fantastic. So anyways, if you're into that stuff, there are some good covers on this. On to my next pick. Hi, it's Marvin again. I am in Boom Still on page 110, calling out Alice Never After number one of five, written by Dan Panosian, also drawn by Dan Panosian, well, Dan and Giorgio Spalita cover the uh, the artwork here. There is a Jenny Frizen cover. That is not why I'm purchasing this one. I mean, I will buy that cover, but this is actually a sequel miniseries to another book called Alice Ever After, which I read and I enjoyed. So I'm going to pick up this one, right? It's uh, the continuation of that story. Of course, it's a trippy, trippy story. It's based on Alice in Wonderland and heavy drug usage, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's just weird. And it was an interesting first run. So I'm going to check out this new one. Brawlinator again. Now I'm in the main previews catalog. I'm on page 131 and I'm looking at Slaughterhouse-Five, an original graphic novel soft cover. This is Kurt Vonnegut's classic story is about the firebombing of Dresden. Kurt is a uh, well-known author. He's passed away now. I think he died in 2007, but can do biting black comedy, and he tackles bleak concepts and topics, death, war, political corruption, environmental destruction. Has a very dark sense of gallows humor. Slaughterhouse-Five, he wanted to write a story about the Dresden bombing because he witnessed it as an American POW, and he survived by hiding in a slaughterhouse. So Vonnegut wrote this story of a guy named Billy Pilgrim, who's a man who somehow becomes unstuck in time, becomes a uh, POW, but also travels through time, and even... (laughs) is abducted by aliens. I mean, it's really a bizarre, bleakly funny, tragic story that I really think, if you haven't read it, you should read it. Let me read that solicit. Centering on the infamous firebombing of Dresden, Billy Pilgrim's odyssey through time reflects the mythic journey of our own fractured lives as we search for meaning in what we fear most. Billy Pilgrim's journey is at once a farcical look at the horror and tragedy of war where children are placed on the front lines and die, so it goes, and a moving examination of what it means to be fallibly human. An American classic and one of the world's seminal anti-war books, Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five is faithfully presented in graphic novel form for the first time ever 
from Eisner Award-winning writer Ryan North and drawn by Eisner Award-nominated artist Albert Montes. I really can't say much more about this other than, you know, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any interior artwork, but if it's faithful to the book, this would be something that uh, if you're kind of getting tired of reading fluff or stories that don't go anywhere, this one, uh, this might scratch that itch for you. This is only 20 bucks. Uh, it's 192 pages. It is a soft cover. I'm sure there'll be at least a 35% discount if you go through Cowabunga. Uh, again, it's on page 131 in the Boom Archaea section of previews. Kurt Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse-Five. Brawlinator again. Now I'm on page 136, 137. I know there's a few other people talking about this, so I'll sort of keep it brief, but it's a new year and it's dynamite, so there's a new Red Sonia number one. But I'm really impressed with this writer, Torin Gronbeck. I do not know her, but I saw an interview with her where she kind of talks about what she's trying to do with this story, and I was extremely encouraged. I think the Red Sonja series can be hit or miss. I think Amy Chu, in my mind, probably did the last good series for Red Sonja, and that was just a few years ago. Dynamite's kind of hit or miss, too, on the artwork, but what I'm seeing from Walter Giovanni is just tremendous, and I don't know that they've got a Giovanni cover featured in here. I mean, there's a couple of pages where they show you the myriad of variant covers that they have, and some of them are super cool, uh, and that's what Dynamite does. I mean, they kind of lean into their variant covers, plenty of them. You might have caught issue zero for free comic book day, but if you want to know a little bit about the Norwegian comic book writer Torin Gronbeck, she wrote the Valkyrie titles for Marvel, the Jane Foster, the Mighty Valkyries, King in Black, Return of the Valkyries, and wrote a Warhammer 40,000 Sisters of Battle graphic novel. So she's got the bona fides. But there's an interview in previews with the author on page 142 and 143. And just some fantastic preview pages from Walter Giovanni, who's a Brazilian artist, who started over at Avatar doing covers for Lady Death and uh, worked on War Angel. Started working for Dynamite back in 2007. He's done Red Sonja before. Did the Red Sonja Tarzan. He's also worked on Vampirella. He's done many covers for Deja Thoris and Red Sonja, which is why I'm a little surprised that I'm not seeing a cover from him for this. But nonetheless, check it out after that first page 136 where Red Sonja starts. There's lots of cover pages, but there's also that interview and some preview pages. You know, why don't you join the journey with me and James and some others who are probably going to tackle this again. I think James gets everything Red Sonja. I don't, only because I'm once bitten. But, you know, to each their own. And I think this will be a good one. So I think everyone who picks it up will be happy. Again, it is Red Sonja, number one. Not sure what volume it is, but it's on page 136 of the Dynamite section in the previews catalog. Check it out. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the previews catalog. And this time I'm on page 137, and this one I'm really excited for. It will be the first comic that I've gotten from Dynamite in probably about a year and a half. I cut off Dynamite altogether as a publisher. Not that I'm offended by Dynamite in any way. It's just they went down the bad girl route, and literally the content was not good considering the amount of material I was getting. They had Christopher Priest doing Vampirella. It wasn't good to me. Uh, whatever. Teach their own. 
But this is the 50th anniversary of Red Sonia. And so we on page 137, we're getting Red Sonia number one, written by Torin Gronbeck, and the artist is Walter Giovanni, and it's a new uh, Red Sonia series. So they, they talk all about it. I mean, Red Sonia and Conan go hand in hand. Later on, another, spoiler alert, another comic I'm going to be calling out, a preview, will be for Conan number one. And it's kind of nice that these, it seems like the Titan and Dynamite have communicated in some manner. And let's both come out with a new number one, 50th anniversary of Red Sonja. And Titan now has the license for Conan. And I'm happy to be reading the titles. So do I wish they were at Marvel? Yes. Will they be at Marvel? No. They're owned by licensing houses that sit on the properties, the IPs, and just squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and try to get cash out of the, the IP. But whatever. It says... This is following directly from the pages of Red Sonia number zero, which I'm, I'm assuming was a free comic book day issue. She-Devil finds herself on the run, framed for murder, and with an unseen force tugging at her, tugging at the back of her mind, joins Sonia as she races and unravels the mystery of his master's voice. And then it goes on and on. If you flip the page, there are several different covers. One of them is a, one of our fan favorite, or our, our forum friends, Marvin, Jenny Frizen, <laughs> covers in there. Looking good. My favorite, they got a Lucio Perillo cover. Perillo cover. It looks fantastic. There's an homage. Go back to Frank Thorne, Red Sonia, number one. And then I flipped the page and Torrin Gronbeck writes up this whole question and answer piece. I never knew this was a, a lady. So I'm looking at, uh, it's a Norwegian comic book writer and painter. And she did the Valkyrie series and she kind of was finishing up the Thor series. Although I, I wasn't enthralled by that. So we'll see how she does with this. The interior on pages 144 and 145 are just, I wouldn't say it's the best art in the world, but it's decent. It, it looks like it's going to be a you know decent art, so I'm excited for it. Now, one other thing I would tell you in this kind of skewing off of the Red Sonja number one, which I am going to be getting, on page 146, they have something that actually, you know what, I'm going to record a second clip for that. Spoiler alert, there's another pick. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and it's in the Dynamite section, and this is a, a one-shot, if you will, or I don't even call it a one-shot. <laughs> it's an omnibus. And for the 50th anniversary on page 146, they have The Adventures of Red Sonja Omnibus Hardcover, written by Roy Thomas and many others, artist Frank Thorne. I love Frank Thorne. I picked up a book by Frank Thorne. I think it was the, the character called Gita, which Frank Thorne wanted to go a little bit more racy with Gita than he was allowed to with Red Sonja. So uh, I picked that up as a hardcover, and that was right before Frank Thorne passed. I don't even know if he can pick up that hardcover anymore, but I was very happy I did. But okay, what happened a little bit about my collection? When I was away in the military, my brother used to raid my comics and sell them (laughs) at comic shops. I came back, my collection had dwindled away to almost nothing. I don't have any of my old Red Sonja comics. I can look at them and I remember them. I, I, he, he sold so much of my stuff, my expensive comics for who knows what. <laughs> but, okay, on page 146, we got The Adventures of Red Sonja Omnibus Hardcover. This comprehensive collection reprints the Red Sonja tales from Marvel feature 1 through 7, Red Sonja issues 1 through 15, and the She-Devil appearances from the original Marvel comic series. The Savage Short of Conan and a single impressive volume presented with fully remastered color pages this timeless tome also features a beautiful cover by legendary Red Sonja artist Frank Thorne, who is no longer with us. So Frank Thorne's a fantastic artist. I love him. 
This is 648 pages, $99.99 or 100 bucks. I will be getting a nice discount from Eric over at Deep Discount Comics, but I would definitely recommend you pick this up. If you're a Red Sonja fan, you got to pick this up. There are other hardcovers in here that they have, but this is the one that I'm for sure getting. I love, I love this material. On to my next pick. And I'm back with more Red Sonja. I'm sure James is in here too. Uh, this is on page 146. So if you just heard one of us talking about Red Sonja number one, now you just keep flipping until you get to 146, and it is The Adventures of Red Sonja Omnibus Hardcover. This is basically the omnibus of Red Sonja when she was at Marvel. It's only 648 pages, so it's 100 bucks. It is a hardcover. You probably get a severe 35-40% discount off of that. This is back when you had Roy Thomas writing it and Frank Thorne drawing the she-devil with a sword. This is obviously for the hardcore Red Sonja fans, but they say it, it's being presented in fully remastered color pages. I hope that means like it should have been if it were printed on better paper back in the day, because I know that Dark Horse did some remastered coloring for their Conan the Barbarian, which was just awful. There's a couple of small preview pages here on page 146 that look like the color's been done right. So I'm very encouraged. I'm going to pick this up. The Adventures of Red Sonja Omnibus Hardcover. It is on page 146, and it collects Marvel Feature 1 through 7, Red Sonja Issues 1 through 15, and the original Savage Sword of Conan appearance, where she had a couple of appearances, actually. Now, I doubt those will be in full color, like the regular pages will be. And I'm a little curious why they are not including that last Red Sonja run, but it wasn't as well received. The art wasn't nearly as good. And I'm kind of happy that this is mostly Frank Thorne art. So it's The Omnibus, The Adventures of Red Sonja, page 146, with a pretty cool cover of Sonja going toe to toe with Conan the Barbarian. Check it out. This is Jason with a pick from the previews catalog on page 146. It's Adventures of Red Sonja, Omnibus, Hardcover. It says this comprehensive collection reprints the classic Red Sonja tales from Marvel feature number 1 through 7, Red Sonja issues 1 through 15, and the She-Devil's appearances from the original Marvel comics series The Savage Sword of Conan in a single impressive volume. Presented with fully remastered color pages, this timeless tome also features a beautiful cover by legendary Red Sonja artist Frank Thorne. It's a definitely a cool cover. I believe that's the cover for uh, Marvel feature number seven, which has Conan uh, popping up and making an appearance. The cool thing about the end of that story, even though that ended her original series of Marvel feature, it led right into Conan, the Conan the Barbarian comic book series, and uh, issue number 68. So Red Sonja appears there um, as kind of a, like, he appears in her series as a guest appearance, and then uh, she appears in his series as a guest appearance, and it kind of wraps up both of their storylines there. So that's kind of interesting. One thing of note, you know, Red Sonja had a couple of more series other than, you know, the Marvel feature was the first one that she had, then Red Sonja Volume 1, which is the 15 issues that are included. Obviously, the Savage Sword appearances where she was the main character are included here, not the ones where she's guest appearances. So her first appearance from Conan is not in here. And then the ones where Conan is the, the main protagonist, uh, they're not reprinting those as far as I know. 
But uh, interestingly enough, they they left out volume two of Red Sonja, which is two issues. They also left out volume three, which is 13 issues, which were from all from the 80s. So I found that very surprising. There also was, they ended up doing a movie special, Red Sonja the movie, which was uh, two issues uh, as well. And it kind of surprised me that they did not include that. This is all original material with Red Sonja as the main protagonist. There may be guest appearances I'm not aware of, but I'm very surprised that they're only re- essentially what they're reprinting are the trade paperbacks that they had before the Adventures of Red Sonja volumes one, two, and three, and then the other one called the Further Adventures of Red Sonja, which had all the Savage Sword Conan appearances there. So I'm hoping that. I tried to reach out to Dynamite to see if they could add those or if they plan on adding those, because that would certainly make it a more of a complete picture of her Marvel original Marvel years. And so I'm hoping that they'll be able to um, include those or maybe include those in a future volume. But it would be nice to have all of her appearances, you know, from her main storylines from, you know, her first appearance of her main series all the way to, you know, the kind of the right before Marvel lost their rights. I highly recommend this if you're a Conan the Barbarian fan or Sword and Sorcery fan. Frank Thorne is an amazing artist and really knows how to draw Red Sonja well. And just, it's it's very exciting. It feels like essentially you're reading a Conan story. Like you feel like you're in the same world, except you're following a different protagonist who's just as cool as he is. So highly recommend this. Hey, this is James back with a pick in the Titan section of the previews catalog. On page 2A, finally, we have Conan the Barbarian number one ongoing. Yes. Uh, writer Jim Zub, artist Robert De La Torre, or De La Torre, Jose Villarubia, or Villarubia? I don't know. Robert E.E. Howard's legendary Conan is back in a new tale of bravery and heroism. Years after the Battle of Ver- Venarium, a weary Conan returns to his homeland to seek rest and solitude. However, a mysterious scout rides in to warn the Sumerians of an imminent threat on the march from the Pictish wilderness. Will Conan and his new ally be able to hold off this new horde of invaders? Conan the Barbarian's free comic book day edition leads into the debut issue. Your journey into darkness begins here. I'm excited for this. Conan disappeared from Marvel. I was so disappointed. I'm hopeful that we are going to be getting the remaining Savage Short of Conan omnibus from Titan. They started with Volume 1, which did nobody any favors except for maybe Titan. But I'm looking forward to the later ones. But this, I'm going to be picking up too. And it sounds like it's not just one of the stories, you know, showing Conan as a boy, picked up into captivity, taken away. This seems to be taking off with just Tales of Conan. And it may be all new original tales because... All of Robert E. Howard's stuff is all in the public domain. So now, if I wrote a story, Red Nails, that Robert E. Howard had written back in 1910 or whenever he wrote this, you can recreate it. I can recreate it. We can all create our own Conan Red Nails. So I think you'll see a lot of original Conan stories that can't just be plagiarized, or uh, I don't want to say plagiarized, but reprinted by other companies. So that gets me a little bit excited. So if you are a Conan fan, and I know there's several of you guys out there on the, on the Slack channel and who listen in general, you got to pick this up. The main cover is fine, but you know I'll probably pick up Cover D, Patch Zercher, Retro 3 variant, which is basically an homage to the uh, original Conan number one, which we all have a soft spot for that. 
on to my next pick. Chris Brawley, the Brawlinator again. My next pick is on 208, and it's Swords and Sandals, Swords and Sorcery. It's basically Conan the Barbarian. Number one, excellent cover by Dan Panosian, was featured on last month's previews. Roberto De La Torre, the interior artist, and he's, man, it he's like the living John Basema. It's just beautiful, and I actually like his cover, the cover B, better than the cover A. I do not like the Mike Minola cover that just looks strange and weird. And the Patch Zercher retro theme variant, I don't know. I mean, it's fine, but honestly, for my taste, the cover B is the way to go. I normally like a good Stanley Art Germ Lau cover, but if I'm doing multiple covers, it's probably going to be Panosian's cover A and Latore, De La Torre's cover B. For me, check them all out on page 208 and 209. This is it. This is a chance for Titan to show us what they're made of. And of course, Jim Zub is no stranger to Marvel. This is a new ongoing series. This is a new tale of bravery and heroism. So this is years after the Battle of Venarium, a weary Conan returning to his homeland to seek rest and solitude. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully uh, they will keep it gritty, bloody, mature, and just cool. I hope they do. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Titan didn't do exactly what they said they were going to do with their omnibus reprints. I was hoping they would start their Savage Sword reprints with Volume 9, as was alluded to back in some earlier interviews and marketing with the company. Maybe they still will, but they haven't yet, so I'm afraid that they're probably not selling as many of those omnibuses as they had hoped. But hopefully they'll sell plenty of this number one. This isn't ongoing. That's what it says right there in parentheses with the title. And, you know, I apologize for anybody out there that really prefers capes and superheroes or horror comics that just aren't into this style of comic. But why don't you give it a shot? It's 32 pages. It's $3.99. Maybe you will like it. He is heroic and it's bloody and violent. So there may be some horrors there, too. I think it could scratch everyone's itch if you give it a chance. Again, it is the number one issue of Titans Conan, the Barbarian ongoing series found on page 208 of this month's previews. This is Jason with a pick in the previews catalog on page 208. It's Conan the Barbarian, number one, a new ongoing series by Titan Comics. So as is pretty much common knowledge now, Marvel decided not to renew those rights to Robert E. Howard related properties, including Conan the Barbarian and, you know, doing ongoing series with him and reprinting the omnibus format of the original Conan the Barbarian and the Savage Sword of Conan. So uh, they let that lapse, and so the president of Heroic Signatures ended up taking the property and all of Robert E. Howard's properties to Titan Comics, and apparently they were already partnered with Titan Books and had produced one Conan novel, and I think they have another one coming out later this year. And so they decided to basically do the same thing with the comic. So I'll kind of read the synopsis and then kind of talk about the creators and how how everything went here. It says, Robert E. Howard's legendary Conan is back in a new tale of bravery and heroism. Years after the Battle of Venarium, a weary Conan returns to his homeland to seek rest and solitude. However, a mysterious scout rides in to warn the Sumerians of an imminent threat on the march from the Pictish wilderness. Will Conan and his new ally be available to hold off this new horde of invaders? Conan the Barbarian Free Comic Book Day Edition leads into the debut issue. 
your journey into darkness begins here. So Jim Zub has been doing a, a great job of hyping up this series. He had a um, 12 or 13 issue run over at Marvel, and uh, he was basically marked to do this series here. He's a huge uh, Dungeons and Dragons guy. He loves fantasy and is very passionate about writing about Conan. And so I look forward to seeing his series and just kind of his take on the character with the hopes that he will you know, be true to Robert E. Howard's vision, but also will kind of do his, his own thing in the comics and tell some new stories that we haven't heard before. The artist, uh, Ro- Roberto De La Torre, I mean, his art is stunning to me. Like, it's hard to mention legends talking about a new artist, but like if you saw the uh, free comic book day edition, I mean, it looks like it's something that was straight from Conan the Barbarian comic in the 70s and 80s. And uh, after I read that, just the way they draw the world, the way they draw the horses, the way they draw the soldiers, the way they draw the fighting, it just makes you feel like that you're reading a, a 70s or 80s Conan the Barbarian comic again. And he really reminds me of John Buscema. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this series goes. I hope they can keep the creative team together as long as possible. And hopefully, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll just continue to expand doing more Robert E. Howard properties. But I'm hoping that this series does very, very well. One of the things I like that they did that Marvel started doing was they'll have a map of, of the land where Conan is traveling. And then they'll put like a red circle around like where the story's happening. Cause that was one thing that I always struggled with years ago was like, okay, I reckon I hear this, this name of this place, but where is it, you know, based on where he's, where Conan's from? Like how far has he traveled? Where, where is this story taking place? So they did that with the free comic book day issue. And I'm hoping that they'll continue to do that with the series going forward. There's a ton of variant issues, uh, covers rather for issue number one. They, they all look really, really good to me. And there's one that actually, Cover G, it has the uh, Hyborian map on the, I guess it's a front and back cover. And so you can see all the lands that, that were in Conan's world at that time, and they're all labeled really well. And the hope is that they'll end up doing just a map of this that we can get, you know, by itself. So I'm really hyped for the series. I'm really looking forward to it. And I know several guys on the uh, Slack channel are as well. And I look forward to getting the series as it comes out and hopefully continuing to get in those Conan Omnibus editions. If they ever catch up to start doing the volume eight and on of Savage Sword of Conan. So looking forward to that and looking forward to hearing you guys' thoughts on it as well. My next pick is on page 217 of the Diamond Previews. It is Rivers of London, Here Be Dragons, number one of four. Now, this is tying into the Rivers of London series of miniseries and series of novels. It's written by the author of the novels. I've read, I think, all of the miniseries they've done, but none of the novels are short stories yet in prose format, so it's on my list to check out at some point. Rivers of London is a mix of police procedural and super old-school supernatural-type stuff set in modern-day London with aspects of the story, like in this case, extending back into the 1960s. Sometimes it goes even further and such. I've found this to be an interesting kind of mashup of the two genres, It's consistent quality, solid art. I think they usually have the same guy doing the art the whole time, although I could be wrong on that. I'd have to check. Anyways, they've got a really good product here, and I think it's worth checking out. So once again, that's Rivers of London, Here Be Dragons, number one of four on page 217 of the Diamond Previews. 
Hey, this is James with another pick, and this time I'm in, on the back half of the previous catalog. I'm on page 239 with Opus is the publisher. By the way, Opus, I'm getting darn near everything from them now. They've become a pretty decent comic publisher over the last like year and a half since I started. Now, Opus, just so you know, they, they start off with like bands, like rock bands, like stories around their songs. And they're still doing some of that, but they've also taken off with the whole Frank Frazetta year, uh, universe, I would call it. Frank Frazetta's Tales of Science Fantasy, Death Dealer. They took his most famous painting. Frank Frazetta's Mothman. You know, so it's, it's a lot of Frank Frazetta stuff, and I love all that stuff. But there's Gene Simmons. Do you guys know Gene Simmons? I think you might know him from Kiss. Yes, if you are a Kiss fan, you know Gene Simmons. 70-year-old Gene Simmons is coming out with a comic <laughs> called dominatrix <laughs> gene simmons dominatrix and as just as you would think you see a girl in dominatrix costume writer holly interland artist sl gallant and maria Keane. and it says from the mind of legendary gene simmons comes the action epic flavored with fetish fantasy dominique stern is used to making purple hurt but they always ask for it first when one of her sessions is interrupted by mysterious agents who seem to have hyperstrength Dom's Nero escape leads her to a rabbit hole of a global conspiracy. This just sounds hilariously kind of funny. <laughs> it is a $4.99 comic, but it's only 24 pages, 30, 32 page comic. And I'll just say the cover, you got to pick it up and, and look at it. It's hilarious. If, you, if you're into Dominatrix, you'll like this comic. I just had to point it out because I'm getting most of the stuff from Opus and I'll probably pick this up and on to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My final pick is in the back half of previews on page 258 from Abstract Studios. It's Parker Girls number 9. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. Zachary May prepares for a worldwide broadcast to sell the public on his plan to solve global warming. But Kachu has discovered the tech billionaire plans to use the satellites for a much darker purpose. As the hour draws near, Tambi and the Parker girls wage a no-holds-barred battle against May's private army in an effort to stop the broadcast from a private chalet in the Swiss mountains. Can they do it, or is the man with everything unstoppable? Scheduled to be in shops on July 12th for the cover price of three ninety nine. Now, most of Terry Moore's series of late, after his classic Strangers in Paradise series, which went for 90 issues, if I'm not mistaken. They've all been 10 issues or thereabouts uh, since then. So according to the solicit, it seems this storyline is reaching a climax. So maybe this one is going to end with issue 10. But the solicits each month don't really say how many issues in the miniseries. Anyway, I'll be looking forward to Terry Moore's next project because he's on my short list of comic book creators that I will get any series that he works on. So thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. And I want to thank all the other people who took the time to send in clips on their favorite issues that they're looking forward to reading in this month's previews. And I look forward to listening to all of them. 
And let's not forget to take care of each other out there. This is Jason with a pick on the previews catalog on page 265. It's Phaser Universe number one. And last month they had kind of a cool all ages to teen type book that seemed to be kind of a throwback book. And it said it had three full stories in it. And this one seems to be pretty good as well. It's called Phaser Universe. It says, Phaser, a superpowered hero lost in time, returns home to take on two of his greatest enemies and alongside allies and friends try to save the world. Action, adventure, dinosaurs, aliens, super science, androids. This one's got it all. So uh, it looks like they're bringing back a lot of classic creators, both artists and writers, and kind of doing like that throwback, kind of like how Marvel's doing with the the retro series where they're bringing back, you know, classic, you know, 90s Silver Surfer, 80s Joe Fix-It and, and that type of series. And that's that's kind of what these comics uh, make me think of. And so I'm always I'm always on the lookout for, you know, my son to see if I can find something that, you know, he would enjoy that would um, kind of bring him that enjoyment of comics that I that I had kind of growing up. So I'm looking forward to uh, picking this and seeing how it turns out. Hey, this is James back with my final pick in the previous catalog. And I'm on page 280 in the AWA section where I usually call out the first issue for anything with AWA. And once again, I will be doing that. This is an eight-issue series on page 280 by Garth Ennis, penciled by Jason Burroughs. We know that team from a particular series that may be very popular and have a show on Amazon. Hint, hint. This one's called The Ribbon Queen. It's an eight-issue miniseries. The interior looks decent. The cover art is decent. And this is what I will say is a Garth Ennis book that is not a war book, which he does like to do those, and not one of his silly books, where he it, it doesn't look like his silly over the top, the priest who marching around like a Nazi. He, he does has these little weird things that he likes to do. But anyways, he, he has a lot of religious and, and Nazi issues going on. But we are going to look at this one by Garth Ennis. It says there's it's called The Ribbon Queen. There is something ancient and terrible loose in the world of men. NYPD detective Amy Sun has a problem. Three years ago, a young woman was rescued from a serial killer by a police tactical unit. Now she's dead, and Amy has a bad feeling, one that the SWAT team leader is responsible. As she investigates the corrupt cabal within her own precinct, Detective Sun soon discovers that there is a something else to her, on her trail, a force of vengeance older than the human race itself, has awoken as out for blood of the guilty, who soon find themselves suffering a fate more gruesome than anything they could have dreamed. The Ribbon Queen has come to New York City, and Amy is not at all certain that it should be stopped. So it's a mature reader's horror crime. I'm a Garth Ennis fan. I'm definitely picking this up. I know that Eric, Deep Discount Comics, aka Cowabunga Comics, is a big Garth Ennis fan. He actually had Garth Ennis in his comic shop doing a signing one time with the custom covers over there at Cowabunga. So he'll definitely be pushing this book. I'm picking this up. If you're a Garth Ennis fan, pick this up. If you're an AWA fan like me, pick this up. And that is it. One thing I wanted to say, I am very thankful to those of you guys who did send in clips. I was out of town on vacation, and I wasn't able to harass people on the Slack channel to send in their clips. I think I sent out one notification. But I do want to thank you, those of you guys who remember. Me, I came back from vacation. And here I am sick. I'm running a fever right now. And I'm still making recordings. <laughs> so if my voice sounds a little bit bad, that's why. 
Thank you, John, for hosting this. Thank you, John, for editing and making me sound better than I do. And until next month, I'm looking forward to hearing your your picks, you guys. And I'll see you guys on the Slack channel, and I'll be talking to you in the podcast. Bye. Hey, Marvin again. Still in previews catalog. Actually, all my clips are from the previews catalog. I didn't do anything for Marvel or DC. I'm on page 288, way in the back, or getting further and further back. Got Bliss on Tap is the publisher. Never heard of him. Don't know this publisher. The title is called Kicker and Bullseye Number One. Matthew Dickens is the writer, and Julius Abera is the artist, cover artist, and interior art. Apparently, <laughs> this is probably going to be bad. But I'm going to read. I'm going to read this. A legendary Hollywood stuntman who moonlights as a time traveling cowboy is resurrected in 1988 through a wormhole in Death Valley, where he will begin his epic journey to pull off the biggest heist of the millennium, robbing the treasure vault of the Devil's Train. Hop aboard and hang on as we kick off part one of the Hat Trick Saga. I don't know, that just sounds insane. So I'm tempted to check it out. It's a five ninety nine book, 32 pages, three issues. I don't know. It just sounds crazy enough that it might be fun. This is Jason with another pick from the previews catalog on page 304. It's the complete Dick Tracy volume one, 1931 to 1933. Introducing the master detective as he battles Big Boy and Larceny Lou. Clover Press and the Library of American Comics prove that size does matter as we fulfill fans' longstanding requests to produce new editions of the first six volumes of Chester Gold's The Complete Dick Tracy. So this series, you know, started in sometimes in the early 2000s, I believe, ran up until uh, just a few years ago. And it was 29 volumes, which I think brought them into the 1970s and essentially covered the entire every strip from the creation in the 1931 by Chester Gold all the way to when Chester Gold essentially retired from the strip in 1970s. So Dick Tracy's always been a very interesting character for me. I think one of the things that makes him stand out, kind of like Batman and Spider-Man, is his rogues gallery. I think he has one of the best rogues gallery in comics. Obviously, he's a comic strip character, but has some very cool and memorable villains. So this first volume covers the first couple of years. It says, in this premiere offering, we return again to those hard scrabble days of 1931 when tragedy in the True Heart family puts young Dick Tracy on the police force and pits him against mobster Big Boy, Larceny Lou, the counterfeiter Alec Penn, the nefarious Stooge Viller, and Steve the Tramp. As an added bonus, the first 34 Tracy Sunday pages with stories separate from the daily continuity have been rescanned to make them sharper and cleaner than their original reprinting. So for some reason, the first six volumes, they ended up making them quite a bit smaller then volumes 7 through 29. And so that's what, and IDW was a, the original company that did this. And this is Clover Press, who I, I believe came from some of the creators or publishers. I'm not sure exactly how they, from IDW, ended up forming Clover Press. So they're going to be going through these editions again and making them the same size. So they're all going to be uniform. And it looks like it's 11 by 8.5. So it's a pretty good size. But if you, if you ever saw a collection of those uh, of the original series that they did, these early issues or hardcovers, including number one, was pretty small. 
compared to the larger one, the bigger ones when they got to more of a standard format in volume like seven or eight and on. So I highly recommend this if you are a Dick Tracy fan. This is Jason back on page 304. This time it's the complete Dick Tracy volume two, 1933 to 1935. Going back in time, they're reprinting all of the Chester Gold Dick Tracy strips, both the Sundays and the dailies. It says between the covers, the spotlights on Junior Tracy as he and his biological father cross paths with the notorious Stooge Viler and his sister Maxine. Then Big Boy leaves Junior hospitalized before Confidence Dolan locks the boy in the can. Dick Tracy's subsequent encounter with secret operative J. Scotland Bumpstead puts the evil Larceny Lou on the run to California. Then she meets Junior's long-lost mother, who gives Junior a Scotty pup named Oscar and Tracy a way to bring villainous Boris Arson to justice. Once again, this is volume two, so it looks like they're putting out two volumes essentially in the same month. So one's coming out on volume one's coming out on September 13th and this volume's coming out on September 27th. They're resizing this to match up with the later series of volumes seven and on. I didn't have these issues. I didn't have these books before. I I had a couple of them, but I could never seem to complete the collection. So I'm looking forward to them actually doing this from the beginning again so I can get in on the ground floor. I actually... When I was looking at the solicit, it talks about they are reproducing the first six editions, and obviously they're reformatting them to be the larger size of volume seven through 29. But I actually emailed Clover Press and I was like, well, what about for people who missed out on that original series? Because these books are long out of print, very, very costly on the secondary market. And they actually wrote me back and they said, essentially, they were like, well, we wanted to do the first six so that it would match up so that the series would all look uniform on the bookshelf for those who had followed it for the first series. But they also said that if the interest is high enough, in other words, if they're making good sales, they're going to continue the series, just keep reprinting them. As long as people keep buying them, they're going to reprint them, hopefully back up through volume 29, which is quite significant volumes. But I do like the idea of just getting into these early kind of, you know, the the ground floor, like how Dick Tracy was when he first started. Some of these classic rogues gallery characters that some made it to the movie, some did not. But all of those kind of helped to help that legend of of Dick Tracy. So I look forward to this. I'm hoping that people will support it. They also said on the email that they asked if how I felt about doing a more, because these are $60. I forgot to mention that in the uh, volume one, but they are fifty nine ninety nine, and so I don't know what that would be after discount, but you're looking at at least you know forty forty five dollars probably for these hardcovers. And they Clover Press emailed me back, and one of the things they asked was, would I also be interested in a soft cover series that wouldn't be maybe as nice as these, but would be much more cost effective? And essentially, what I wrote to them was, I think that most people's idea would be to at least for me, it would be more of I would definitely be able to afford the soft covers and I would appreciate being able to complete the series versus just getting the first six volumes in hardcover and then it's stopping there. And so I told them, I was like, well, I think that more people would support it from a cost perspective if it was, you know, those cheaper soft cover volumes, but also hopefully there would be less attrition for people supporting it 
if they kept it at a lower cost with the idea of Dick Tracy fans, we are going to reprint this entire series in soft cover that's affordable for everyone. So I definitely recommend these. Uh, if you like the Dick Tracy character at all, you get to get introduced to some really cool villains. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog from page 307. This is in the comic mix section. Now, I almost hesitate to call this out because some information that I found out later makes me a little hesitant about how quickly some of the material might come out. But this is a collection of the John Sable Freelance series that Mike Grell wrote and drew back in the 80s, I believe, as part of his independent work. And this is the John Sable Freelance Masterstroke Omnibus Edition hardcover. And the size of this is 9 by 12 inches. And they describe it as sort of a uh, absolute format, so like a little bit bigger than standard pages and all. But it says here, Mike Grell's legendary John Sable Freelance set new standards for storytelling in comics, ushering in an era of excellence that changed comics forever. From the African plains to the concrete jungle of New York, now you can experience all the pulse-pounding action and excitement in a larger format than ever before, as one of the best-reviewed comics of all time gets the treatment it deserves in this absolute-sized deluxe Masterstroke edition. Remastered and recolored for the 21st century, reprints John Sable Freelance issues number 1 through 13. And this is $125 for 384 pages, so definitely a steep cost, but again, this is sort of being presented as the deluxe format, and I believe there were some old paperbacks of this that you may still be able to find if you're trying to collect this or, or gather this in a collected edition format. But all of that's, you know, at, at least over a decade old at this point and is harder to find. And as far as this goes, I believe it's part of four or six planned editions to try to collect all of this stuff. So you really have to kind of know or really want this material long term to be going for it. But it does have its fans and it is kind of a unique piece in the history of independent comics. But the thing that gives me pause after posting about this on the forum, Andy Tom pointed out that this was from a Kickstarter that had been finally fulfilled. And this was called out back in 2018, I believe. And they were supposed to have it done by 2019. I'm sure the pandemic didn't help, but that project took, you know, another four or five years to actually hit the market. So I don't necessarily feel very good about there being four or five more volumes of this anytime soon. But for the hardcore collector, you know, it's worth showing your support for this if that's something that you really want. And hopefully their Kickstarter got them on a path to getting this published, you know, at least maybe once a year with new material. But we'll see. Check it out if you are interested. This is Jason with a pick from the previews catalog on page 376. It's We Are Scarlet Twilight, number three. So this is uh, issue three of that four-issue limited series. It started out as a Kickstarter. It says, uh, Captain Lancet and his Maxi Militia are trapped by the Scarlet Twilight Vampire Cult that dominates the world and Cap's quest to free the world from the vampire curse that afflicts himself seems doomed. To make matters worse, their leader, Madame Satanica, has learned his true identity, a small clue. It's definitely someone you know of. Check out number three to see whether our heroes can escape Scarlet Twilight and if Captain Lancet is really 
the true blue American hero we've come to know. So definitely looking forward to this series. Still waiting on the first issue to come out, but it's kind of a, you know, Flash Gordon meets hard-boiled detective, that noir-type setting. So looking forward to this series. Hey, everyone. It's Marvin again. I'm on page 399. Tomorrow's Publishing has back issue number 147 being solicited, and this is the George Perez tribute issue. So I'm just calling this out kind of as a public service announcement. Make sure everybody saw it. I will probably be picking this up because it looks like it has a bunch of information about George. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I like these tribute issues from time to time. They're, they're really cool to have that. I like them for my bands too. I'm a sucker for that Rolling Stone special issue for Fleetwood Mac. I'm a, I'll pick that up at the supermarket every time. My next pick is also on page 399, and it is also back issue number 147, the George Perez tribute issue. Now, Back Issue Magazine does a ton of great stuff. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary, and they are using that to focus on the late, great George Perez. I mean, it even says that literally in the solicit. But, I mean, this is one of those cases where I think George Perez's impact on the industry just cannot be understated, overstated, however you want to phrase it. I mean, the guy was a terrific artist, terrific person for decades. And I think an issue of Back Issue Magazine focusing on him should be a ton of fun. Hopefully we'll get some rarely seen art by him. It's going to focus on his Wonder Woman era, which was just groundbreaking for the character. His 20 greatest hits of the Bronze Age. That'll be interesting. It's got to have like JLA 200 and stuff in there. His fanzine days. One of the things I think will be, I don't want to say a lot of fun to read, it could be very hard to read, but I'm looking forward to, A Remembrance by Marv Wolfman. Those two teamed up just on phenomenal things from New Teen Titans and Crisis and just have been friends forever. So if there's anyone who really knew George Perez professionally, it's got to be Marv Wolfman. And I'm looking forward to, to reading what he has to say on that. And just... A big fan of George Perez, and I think spotlighting him is just a great thing for them to do. So if you're into the behind-the-scenes process stuff, interviews, etc., Back Issue Magazine, I think, is well worth checking out. This issue in particular, even if you normally don't get it, and I normally don't, I pick and choose issues, George Perez tribute issue, if you're a fan of George at all, and if not, you ought to check out his work, because I think it's terrific. I think this is an issue well worth getting. So once again, back issue number 147, George Perez tribute issue on page 399 of the Diamond Previews. Hey, it's Marvin again, and I'm recording my last clip on page 413 in What Not Publishing. The title is Crashdown, first issue, one of three. 399, written by Tom Garcia and Ryan Sargent. I don't know why Tom's name, his first name is in quotes. I don't name must not really be Tom. That's just strange. Oh, actually, down here in the solicit, it, it has it. Quote, the It's comic Tom is in quotes, Garcia. So get, he's somebody with a YouTube channel. I don't know him. And then art is by Ben Tupplesmith. I'll just read part of the solicit here. It says, equal parts lost and alien with a Lovecraftian twist. Crashdown delivers a dark vision of our world's final days. Uh, it's a three-issue mini about the end of the world. And apparently, I'm into that. If you've listened to any of my... My clips, they're all dark stories, it seems. Anyway, I'm going to check this one out. I don't think I've gotten anything yet from Whatnot. I know I've reordered Heavy Metal, but it hasn't arrived. So I'm anxious to try out this publisher and see what, what their quality is like. 
But that's my final clip. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody else who recorded clips. Be good to each other and read lots of books. This is Brawlinator, and I'm on my last pick. I'm all the way back on page 445 in the Viz Media section of previews. It's a one-page solicit here that I'm looking at with some super cool images here. Elektra and Spider-Man and Black Panther. It's Marvel Comics, a manga tribute. This is a 128-page uh, hardcover for $24.99. It's full color. And this is just a range of unique artwork, all collected for the first time, celebrating different Marvel characters from across the multiverse. If you like Japanese art, if you are a huge fan of Marvel Comics, I think you should check this out. The uh, solicit says, Marvel Comics, a manga tribute, explores Marvel's rich and enduring legacy as a pop culture phenomenon by paying homage to its most iconic characters and beloved stories. Experience a fresh take on the Marvel Universe with this collection of stunning illustrations from over 20 exceptional Japanese artists, including Yoshiro Naitao, Akira Himakawa, Peach Momoko, Yasuki Maruta, and Yoshita Amano. And maybe I butchered those, maybe I didn't. I bet nobody will ever know. The Japanese artists that, that I just listed are celebrating the Marvel Universe. And this might be a nice, I don't know, coffee table book or just a nice collected book. It's a little bigger than 8 inches, almost 12 inches in length. Uh, and again, it's 128 pages. It's a hardcover. I know you can get a discount, too, off that $24.99. If you're into uh, manga artwork and you're into Marvel, this might scratch that itch. If not, I'm sure you heard plenty of other picks in today's episode or this month's episode uh, that you can find some good stuff to pick up. And I'm going to go ahead and stop now so I can listen to everyone else's. Hope everyone had a great free comic book day. And we'll talk to you next month or see you on the Slack channels and forums. Thanks, John, for letting us participate on your podcast. My next pick is not in any of the pre-order catalogs. It's a Kickstarter campaign, and it's Right or Wrong, A Writer's Guide to Creating Comics, Second Edition. This is by Dirk Manning. I've read the first edition, really enjoyed it, thought it was some great stuff. It was less about the mechanics of writing than other aspects of being in the business being a professional and stuff, it was not something that was doing the standard, okay, you've got to tell the story in X parts, you've got to have a beginning, middle, and end, but actually a lot of other very useful insights and information about the business. Now, normally, I'm not a big fan of Kickstarters. I've gone ahead and backed this myself. This is already funded, and the campaign goes until June 2nd, which is uh, Friday in about two weeks as this episode first goes up. It ends at 4.30 p.m. Central Time, so plan accordingly. Obviously, with any Kickstarter, there is risk as do they deliver or not. Given Dirk Manning's history of, of getting stuff out, I don't think there's any huge risk on this, but again, Kickstarter, so potential. Again, it's already funded. Matter of fact, it's funded to about twice the tune, over twice the tune of, of what they needed to get funded. They've unlocked two of the stretch goals already, and I'm looking forward to this because this is a heavily revised version of the original edition and such, again, second edition, which I really enjoyed. And it came out, I want to say, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. So I'm looking forward to it. If you're a process junkie or want kind of a how-to slash inspirational book on writing comics and seeing what it looks like behind the scenes, I think this is one of the better books to check out. So once again, that's Right or Wrong, A Writer's Guide to Creating Comics, second edition. It's a Kickstarter 
I'll have a link in the show notes. I hope everybody found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I'll be honest, uh, it's a little slim pickings for me in a few places. DC, with all of the night terror stuff that I'm just sitting out, kind of a lean month for me from DC, and probably will be next month too. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, every month there's different things. Some stuff's easy to miss in the catalog, so that's why we do these episodes. We have an open submission policy on these. Everyone is welcome to send in clips. Sending in a clip is as easy as doing a quick recording on your computer or smartphone and then sharing it with me through the Dropbox links or emailing it to me, whatever's easier. Just send it in a single clip if if that's all you've got time for and all you're interested in promoting and stuff. But I'd love it if we had more people participate because there's a ton of stuff out there and different people are coming at it from a different angle. And sometimes if you just point something out and say, you know, if you're into this, you might like it because it can make a difference. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight episodes is the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can always check the main page of the comic book page website for the latest information on the next deadline and to sign up for email reminders. So the deadline for the next one is going to be June 10th at 9 a.m. Central Time. Now, I want to thank everyone who sent in clips this time because it would have been a much shorter episode without you guys. So thank you, Michael, James, Brawlin, and Billy, Jason, Nicholas, and Marvin. Appreciate the clips you guys sent in. It is impacting some of what I'm getting and stuff. So again, sometimes just pointing something out is easy to you know help support and promote those titles and those creators. So with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.